you have your Bibles, would you open them up to 2 Corinthians? And we're going to read the first six verses of chapter 4. So just the six verses before the reading that we had earlier this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 to 6. Alright. Hey, here we go. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in, our, shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Hey, join me in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this morning. Lord, that we have the privilege and the mercy of opening up your word. Thank you, Lord, for your great love for your creatures. You have made it um, made a way for us to know you because you have revealed yourself to us. Not only that, you have made a way for us to really know you through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Oh, Lord, by the end of this morning, that we could all say our gospel with Paul. Lord, would you work in all of our hearts, tilling the soil, so that your word would be received happily and would you win people over to yourself for your glory I pray all of this in Jesus name Amen Hey just as um, by way of introduction I want to just spend a little bit of time on that first verse just to help us understand what we're getting ourselves into and then we'll move on so that first verse there it says therefore having this ministry by the mercy of God what Paul is talking about in terms of ministry, he, he talks about earlier in chapter 3, verse 8, he, it's, he calls it the ministry of the Spirit. And what is that exactly? Well, he, he fleshes it out for us in verse 3. He says, our gospel. And what does he mean by our gospel? He says that we proclaim not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. And going on, um, he talks about the light of the gospel. What he's talking about there is the ministry that he has is the ministry of the gospel. And the gospel has to deal with a very big issue that every single one of us has to know about. So the gospel is God's way of salvation for his rebel creatures. So every single person by default starts off as a rebel. If you're sitting here this morning, if you're alive, if you're breathing, if you can hear what I'm saying, you started off as a rebel. And perhaps, friend, you are still there, which is your great danger. But everyone starts off as a rebel. 
But God, in his great mercy and his infinite wisdom and his glorious way, puts into motion this plan of redemption to save those rebel sinners, you and I. To save us from our sin. Because there is a gap between God and his creature that the creatures cannot bridge. There is a chasm that is too far. It's too wide. It's too deep. We can't make our way to God. And so the ministry that Paul is talking about here is proclaiming the gospel. That God has made a way through the life, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I want to point you to that three-word phrase that he uses there. Mercy of God. He's saying that he has this ministry of proclaiming the gospel, of sharing this good news with people by the mercy of God. What he's saying there is, he is not a minister of the gospel because he was good enough to be a minister of the gospel. What he's saying there is, he, he's not a minister of the gospel because he was rich enough or educated enough, or worthy enough, or had enough achievements. He climbed, climbed Mount Everest ten times. He was the first man to Mars. None of that. He's not a minister of the gospel because of his accomplishments. The reason he is a minister of the gospel is by the mercy of God. So the fact that Paul can have the words of the gospel in his mouth is a great mercy on God's part. That is God being merciful to Paul. And that's extended here this morning. I'm not here as one who has been the first man on Mars or climbed Mount Everest ten times or the richest person in the world. The only reason that I have the wonderful privilege of carrying this Bible in my hands and the gospel in my mouth is because God has been merciful to me. And friends, I want you to understand this morning, it is extended to you. You do not deserve to hear the gospel. You have not done enough in your life to hear the gospel. This morning you will hear the gospel by the mercy of God. Oh, what a wonderful place to be this morning, isn't it? That you can be in a place where the gospel is proclaimed. Friends, you are in such a place of privilege. God has been merciful to you. That if you, have, if you were here last Sunday... You experience that same mercy. If you're going to be here next Sunday, you'll experience that same mercy, the proclamation of the gospel of God. And so we're in a place right now where we are under the mercy of God. He is being kind to us. And so it's with that in mind, friends, that I plead with you, pay full attention to God's word whenever it's preached. Not just now, but every single time you hear the word of God, not tampered with like Paul's talking about here, but preached faithfully, where Christ and Him crucified, Christ as Lord is proclaimed, the gospel of light, wherever it is preached, oh, you must give your attention. And on that note, here's this little exercise. You don't have to move, right? You don't have to move right now, but let me ask you this. If I said, sit in such a way, that you would sit if you were giving 110% of your attention. How would you sit if you were giving 110% of your attention right now? Would you have to move? Would you have to change your posture? Why? Why would you move? Oh friends, doesn't that say something about the default position of ourselves? That we are slow to listen? But 
I'm not too worried about our physical posture because you could sit like you're listening and not listen, right? What I'm worried about this morning is the posture of the heart. Where is your heart this morning as the gospel is, is being preached? When you hear about Christ and Him crucified, Jesus Christ is Lord, the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. How is your heart positioned? How is it tilted? How is it postured? Is, it in a, is, it, is your heart sitting in a way, so to speak, that it is giving 110% of your attention? And I say that because, man, this passage this morning deserves our full attention. And it even speaks to the hearts that do not give attention. It speaks to the condition of the heart. And if I was to sort of summarize this in, in one short sentence, it would be the darkness of the heart and the light of the gospel. And so let's talk a little bit more about the darkness of the heart, the blindness that's talked about here. Um, would you look to me, look with me at verse 3? Look what it says there about the condition of the heart when it hears about the gospel. And even if our gospel is veiled, even if our gospel is hidden, if it's not seen, if it's veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Oh, what is the condition of a heart by default? By default, the heart is blind. To, the, to this heart... To the condition that this heart is in, the gospel is hidden. They can't see it. You know, I was thinking about some practical examples. There was this one time um, I was working in Napier. And we had to drive down because we had a trailer. And this trailer was a couple tons. So when the trailer is that heavy, it has its own brakes. So we were driving down and there was a steep hill. And at the bottom of the steep hill, there was um, some roadworks going on so we had to stop. But this hill, this hill was really steep. If you've been to Napier, you might know what hill I'm talking about. But the trailer was breaking the whole time we were going down. And it was, pre it was breaking harder than the ute was at the front. And what was happening is the brakes were heating up and the wheels caught on fire. And there were people behind us and people in front of us. And anyway, we got to the roadworks and we had to stop there. And the person in the car behind us jumped out, ran up to the driver's side. I was a passenger. And um, we winded down the driver's window and they said... Your trailer's on fire. And this is what I did. I looked at, looked at the person giving me the information, and then I looked in the passenger mirror, and I saw some smoke. Then I looked back at the person to see what they were going to say next. And then all of a sudden, I jumped to life and thought, the trailer's on fire. I jumped out, I went to the back of the ute, opened it up, got the fire extinguisher, and I, I went to action. But there was a moment there where I knew the truth where I was fed some information and even saw it with my own eyes. Yet I was unaffected. Oh, friends, I, I knew for sure that what the person was saying was true. I saw it with my own eyes. I was fed this information, but that's all it was to me. It was just information. Uh, in that moment, I, I didn't leap to life. I didn't run to action. In that moment, I was unaffected, unchanged. I knew all of this information yet did nothing about it. I wasn't convicted. I wasn't convinced. I, I, I wasn't confident. But then something happened. 
a couple seconds later, I became convicted about the information that I just heard. Not only did I have information, but now I truly believe that this information was true. So much that I felt it. So much that I leapt to life and I jumped out of the ute. That's some of the blindness that we're talking about here. So this blindness we can break into two categories. This is the way that Satan works. He loves to keep people blind. He loves to keep people in the dark. And there are two real categories of blindness here. One, that people never ever hear the gospel. Which is not you. You fit into the second category. The second type of blindness that we hear about here is not one that never hears about the gospel, but hears the gospel, but never really hears the gospel. Do you understand what I'm saying there? You'll hear it, but never hear it. You'll see it, but never see it. You might be fed all this information, but there will be no conviction, no confidence, no leaping for life, no, no move to action. And this is exactly where Satan loves people to be. He loves people to, if, if they do hear this wonderful information, if they do um, have that wonderful privilege of hearing the gospel, he would love them to hear it, but never hear it. He'd love them to see it, but never see it. And he is the perfect example of someone who knows the gospel, but does not know the gospel. Oh, do you think you know more about theology than Satan? Friends, you do not. He knows more about theology than you ever will. He knows more about the gospel than you ever will. Oh, but he has not felt the gospel. He has not repented. He has not moved. He has not leapt to life. He himself is still in the dark and loves to keep other people in the dark. So is it enough just to hear the information? Is it enough just to know the basics? Is it enough to be able to parrot the words of the gospel? Absolutely not. Is it enough to memorize the Bible? Well, friend, Satan has memorized the Bible. It is not enough. And it is not enough for you merely to have information about the gospel. You yourself must know Jesus Christ. You must be able to say with Paul, our gospel. And so that is the condition of the human heart by default. And if you're sitting here this morning, you are either blind or you're not blind. And if you are blind... You are not the type of blind that has never heard the gospel. You're the type of blind that has heard the gospel, yet has never heard the gospel. And my question to you is, where are you this morning? Where is your heart? How is it postured? Where is it leaning? When you're hearing about God, what's the reaction of your heart? Are you unaffected? Or have you been moved? Is your heart beating faster? Are your sweat glands working? So how is it that God deals with this darkness of heart, this blindness? Because Satan is working here. The human heart is happy in its blindness. How is it that we get out of this blindness? What must you do to get out of this blindness? What work is there that you could possibly accomplish to get yourself out of blindness and see the glory of Jesus Christ, the glory of God in the face of Christ, the glory of God in Jesus Christ, the image of God. How is it that you can actually see? You might remember there's that, um, there's that parable in, in the Gospels. It's about the sower. right? He has, he has seeds and he scatters these seeds and they all fall onto different types of ground. 
There's different types of soil. One of the soils, as he's throwing a seed out, it lands on, a, on the footpath and it can't penetrate the ground, it can't get through, it just sits on the top and it's excellent bird feed. So the birds come and they sweep up the seed and they go away. That seed never comes to fruition. There's, there's no growth, there's no tree, there's no plant. And then there's the ones that fall onto the soil that's too shallow and they shoot up but the sun comes out and it just burns them. They can't handle it. Then there's the ones that are planted among thorns and they get strangled by the trouble of life. And then there's one that lands on good soil and that one bears fruit. That one grows into a tree, luscious, um, 30, 60, 100 fold. It just brings about fruit. And the key there is not that the seed was any different, the seed was the same. The, the farmer wasn't any different, the farmer was the same. What was different? Friends, it's the condition of the soil. It's the condition of the heart. So what must you do to change the soil in your heart? What must you do to change your heart? You can do nothing. Oh, it's a work of God that changes the heart. It's a work of God that pierces through the darkness and the blindness to bring the light of the glory of Christ in the gospel. So how can you be someone who not only knows information, but who is desperately convicted and convinced and is confident that you must come to Christ? Oh, it has to be God. It has to be God. You can't do it. Now you might be thinking, then what point is there in doing anything? If God is the one who does any of this, then it's a waste of time me doing anything at all. You might even think, well, I'm, I might as well give up. Why go on if I can't do anything about this? Friend, it's the exact opposite. The reason that I can say that is because the fact that it's not up to you is why you should be encouraged. The fact that your heart and changing the changing of your heart is not up to you, you should be encouraged. Because if it was up to you, you would do nothing. You couldn't change it. But because it's up to God, not only can He change it, but when He changes it, it changes forever. Imagine if you could change your heart, you couldn't keep it changed. It'd go back. But because it's God who changes the heart, it is God who pierces through the darkness, it is God who changes the soil. Not only is it changed, but it's changed forever. Now, isn't that a wonderful encouragement? That it is God's work? That He's the one who does all of this? And it's not left to you? Oh, friends, if my salvation was left to me, I would mess it up. If somehow I got myself saved, it would take me two minutes to lose it again. But because it's God who does the work, not only can He change you, but He will change you forever. And just a couple more points on, on Jesus Christ. You know, what is it that's so glorious about the gospel? What is it that's, you know, that, that if you look down there in um, verse 6, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, He shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That's God's work. No, it, the power that it takes to change a heart is the same power that it took to create the universe. The power that it took to that it takes to change your heart and to bring light into your life is the same power that God used at the very start of the Bible in Genesis 1. Let there be light. The, the creation of the universe, that kind of power is needed to change the human heart. Thank God it's not up to you. 
Thank God he's the one who does it. And here where it says the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And then back up in verse 4. When he says there, um, what they keep from seeing, kept from seeing is the light of the gospel <coughs> of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord. Our friends, Jesus Christ must be your Lord. Jesus Christ must be the one who saves and the one who leads, the one who reigns, the one who is the king. And um, at Key Group one time, we went through this little example of a bridge. Imagine with me for a moment that if there, were, there was a nuclear bomb coming here, it would kill everything in its path, would destroy the whole nation. But there was one bridge that you could take, one bridge that would lead to a land that could never be destroyed. It could lead to a place where you could never be harmed by anyone or anything. And I say to you, the bridge is Jesus Christ himself. In fact, he is, he is the architect, he is the engineer, he is the construction team. This bridge is perfect. And it can take you from a land of destruction to a land where you will never be harmed again. If you only know the information, you will never take that bridge. But if God in his mercy shone the light through, not only will you know the information, but you'll be convicted of the information. And you'll have confidence, you'll have faith in that information and you'd be led towards the bridge. Um, it is the only bridge that can support you, the weight that you have. It is the only bridge that can lead you to where you need to be. Um, and He is the only way there. And He makes that bridge with His own life. He gave up His own life so that we could be with Christ or we'd be with God again. So friends, I, I hope you feel some encouragement. Um, because as I said right at the beginning the only reason you're hearing all of this is because God is merciful can you have confidence that he is merciful he's just displayed his mercy to you that we could look at his word and see Jesus Christ to see our condition and to see what he can do for us he is a merciful God our friend, if, if you are in doubt of him this morning, if you, if you are that person who says, if, if not up to me, what can I do? I'll be assured that it is a good thing that it's not up to you. you know, be, be happy that it is up to God who is merciful. Be happy that if he does something, he will do it forever. And so it's my encouragement to you to come to Christ. And if you're someone who says, look, I've, I've heard all of this. I can hear what you're saying. I'm even a little bit convinced that you're telling the truth, but for some reason I just can't believe it. What should I do? Oh, friends, if that's you this morning, come again next Sunday. Come on Tuesday. Come on Wednesday. Surround yourself. Just saturate yourself in His Word. Saturate yourself in the Gospel. Surround yourself with people who will proclaim without tampering with His Word. And pray. He is a merciful God. Pray to Him. Let's pray now. Oh, Father, thank You for this important passage. Oh, thank You, Lord, that we see that salvation is Your work. 
Thank you that we can see that you are powerful enough to overcome Satan and to overcome our blindness and pierce through with the light of the gospel of the glory of Jesus Christ. Our Lord, would you help us to pass this morning from information, from knowledge into conviction and from conviction into confidence in Jesus. Lord, let us not live there being information gatherers. Help us not to just know about Christ, but to know Him. And Lord, would you work in the soil that is our hearts? Would you till that soil? Would you work it so that it would receive your word? So that not only would we know about the cross, not only would we know about Jesus Christ and him crucified, Jesus Christ as Lord, but we would say ourselves, he is my Lord. He is my Savior. This is our gospel. Our Lord, have your way in us. We pray all of this to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.